Thank you for tuning in to the audio podcast of Renaissance Church, a new church plant located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please check out our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like more information about joining the launch team of Renaissance, or if you would like information on how you can partner with us to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. Tonight, we're going to finish our series called DNA. And so we've been doing this the last few weeks, looking at what makes Renaissance Church, Renaissance Church. Now, we didn't really get into a lot of like deep, deep theological things about who we are, but we got into kind of the practical, what are we about? Um, what, what is um, this church about? And so to recap that just a little bit, um, week one, we talked about the gospel, which is just like a foundational thing for us of understanding what the gospel is and what that means. So the gospel is, it means the good news. The good news that God sent his son Jesus to earth to die on the cross for our sin because each of us has sinned, has broken God's law, and we need salvation and we can't save ourselves. And so how that impacts everything and every aspect of our life, that we, we can't do anything good in and of ourselves, that we have to understand that we're broken people in need of salvation. So we talked about the gospel. Week, the, first, uh, the week after that, we talked about what we mean when we say love Jesus. So we say love Jesus, love each other, love our world. So when we say love Jesus, we mean that we come together to focus on, sing to, learn about, grow in Jesus, learn about Jesus. And we also mean that as a church, that we clearly, and we clearly say that we believe that Jesus is the only way to get to God. So we talked about that. We talked about what it means the next week, love each other. What does that mean? As a church, how can we love and serve each other? That the church is not like family, it is family. That we meet one another's needs, that we care for each other, that we show the world what it means that God has, has loved us and saved us by the way that we love and serve one another. And so tonight we're going to be talking about love our world. <clears throat> so a quick side note, next week we're starting a new series called Who Are You? And this is a series based out of the book of Ephesians in the Bible. And it's going to be, I'm excited about it because the book of Ephesians has six chapters. So it's not a lot. So if you want to get a head start this week, you can start reading some of Ephesians in the New Testament. But really the first three chapters talk about as, as Christians, as people, what does it mean? Where do we find our identity? Who are you? Who are you in Christ? And then the next half of the book really talks about how do you interact with people because of what Jesus has done in your life? So really, part two of the series is called Be Who You Are. So who are you? Be who you are. And so I'm um, looking forward to that, and, and Ben will kick that off for us next Sunday. So, But we're going to just walk through um, each part of the book of Ephesians. So excited about that. Um, so as I said, we've been looking at our DNA, who we are, what we are about. These are the things that are important to us. Love Jesus, love each other, love our world. And the reality is that in life and in, our, in church, we put attention towards the things that are important to us, right? So if you just really, really like cats, then you spend a lot of time buying cat things, right? I hope I didn't offend someone who likes cats because I didn't mean to, okay? Um, but we put energy and effort and time and attention towards the things that are really important to us. So as a church, these are the things that are important to us. And so my hope is that for us in this room and for people that are involved with Renaissance, that we will grasp and understand these things and say, okay, these things are important to us. Um, and, and then I also hope that the world around us would be able to say, 
yeah, I don't know much about that church, but I know that they love Jesus, love each other, and love our world. And you've heard me say that throughout this series. And I've had, you know, there's this thought, someone asked me this one time, that as a church, if we were to disappear from this neighborhood, okay, for some reason next week we just were like, nope, we're not going to be here anymore. We all, we weren't here at all. Would anyone notice? That's a tough question because my hope is that they would, that they would say, where is that church? Where is Renaissance? Why, why aren't they volunteering? Why aren't they serving? Why aren't they showing up and being involved anymore? And, and so that's my hope is that we would be missed if we weren't here. And that's a big part of what it means for us to love our world. That we want to love and serve in, su- in such a way that if we were gone, people would notice. And of course, it's not just for the sake of being noticed, right? But it's people would notice that we are not there. So love our world. That's what we're talking about tonight. We desire to live our lives with great intentionality, serving people and sharing the gospel in everyday situations in our community and around the world. Okay, that was a lot. I'm going to say it again. So as a church and me as an individual, and I hope and my, my hope and prayer is for you as well, that we desire to live our lives with great intentionality. So living on purpose, serving people and sharing the gospel in everyday situations. So that's Work, school, home, family, parks, whatever practice kids go to, whatever, okay? That we, in, in everyday situations, in our community and around the world. That's the kind of people that we desire to be. So if you're with us tonight and you're still just kind of investigating Jesus and what this is all about, my hope is that you will see that our desire and longing as a church is for people to come and seek, for people to come to know, follow, and love Jesus. That's our desire. And if I were to hide that in any way, we wouldn't be being true to ourselves. That is our hope. And so tonight, if you're like, okay, I'm still kind of on the fence. I'm looking at this stuff. I'm investigating this. That's our hope and desire is that people would come to know, love, and follow. Jesus, I understand this could seem a little bit strange. It could be like, okay, is this some sort of like weird like pyramid scheme? Like if you buy into this and you do that, right? No, um, and it really isn't. Because our hope is that people would see that as our lives have been changed by the goodness of Jesus, not because of anything we've done, anything that we've earned, but because our lives have been transformed by the good news of Jesus, that we can't help but to share that with other people. We are unapologetic that we desire to tell others about Jesus with the hope that they would turn to him for salvation. That's what we're about as a church. And that's not out of any way that we judge people or we look down on people. We come with humility to say, we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we want to share that with people. And I'll get into that more as we go. Alright? So as we finish up this series, throughout this, my prayer has been that God will stir in your heart with a passion, a deeper passion for Jesus, a deeper desire to make him known in our city and around the world. And so I invite each of you to join with Renaissance in praying for our city and with a desire to reach Montreal and beyond. So at the end of tonight, I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about what it means to be part of our core team here at the church. So we, as a church, we eventually will be at a point where we have membership. We can get into that later, this discussion about what membership looks like. It's, membership is just simply for the purpose of saying we commit with each other that we want to grow in our faith, and we commit with each other that if I start doing something stupid, Somebody can come and say, hey, you're out of line. Let's look at this. What's the Bible say? So that's why we want to talk about membership. It's not like having like a punch card so you get like a free service or something like that. You know? <laughs> no. But anyways, to be, 
but we're at a point right now where we're calling that kind of a core team. And so it's kind of this like in-between land of like, it's not quite, to, we're just not to the point with membership yet. Um, but we'll talk more at the end about what it means to be part of our core team. Um, and I've got some information about that. So let's jump in. I'm going to pray for us again and then we'll start. Father, again we come tonight. God, I ask for your wisdom as I share your word and I ask that we would um, hear clearly from you and we ask that you'd speak to us. God, give us a hunger and a passion to see other people come to know and worship you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so if you've been here throughout this series, um, you've heard me answer basically two questions each time. And so as I was preparing for this, I was like, should I do something different? And then I was like, no, why not just stick with what I've been doing, right? So the two questions are, why do we say love our world? And what does that look like for us as a church? Pretty simple, but figure if this is about who we are, we want to break it down as simply as we could. Um, so as I said last week, the idea that Christians should love people should be pretty basic, right? When we read the Bible, we see over and over God's love towards people. The scripture also tells us that we are to be imitators of God. We're to do the things that he does. And so loving people is a pretty good character quality for people who claim to love and follow Jesus, right? doesn't always happen that way. You can meet a lot of jerks who say, yes, I'm a Christian, and they're a jerk. Well, that's not the way that it should be, but it's pretty basic for us to understand. Yes, we should love people. Well, last week, we focused specifically on what it looks like to love each other within the context of the church, which is incredibly important. Because when we love each other within the church, when we serve, when we forgive, when we don't hold things against people, when we take care of each other, the world around us says, that's not normal. And they see the goodness of God through the church. So that was love each other. So for tonight, we're talking about love our world, um, focused more on how we as a church can and should love those who are not followers of Jesus. How we should love people who may never be followers of Jesus, but how we as a church can say, this is the way that God has loved us, and we want to show that to you. So I think to start, I think it'd be good to define a couple things. So looking at this, so what do I mean by love? Say so we love our world, but that one word, love, okay? Because that could mean a whole lot of things, right? Um, and so for me, looking at that, it means that we want to serve people. It means we want to show kindness. It means we want to be patient with people, right? And not like, get angry when people cut you off in traffic like they were doing to me on the way here tonight, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little difficult, but we want to be forgiving. We want to be people who are generous. And, and you know, that list can go on and on, but that's, it's important, I think, to look at. What do we mean by that? It means that we want to give of ourselves. That's what love is. Love is giving of ourselves on behalf of someone else. So we want to love our world, okay? Also, in the midst of those things of serving and loving and showing kindness, we want to tell others that love is found, sorry, we want to tell others that salvation is found through Jesus. And this is a strange dichotomy, right? We love people simply for the sake of loving them, right? That's, that is, as, as Christians, we are called to love people just because we are called to love them. But we also believe that the highest form of love is truth. Therefore, we believe that the greatest way to show love to people is to tell people that salvation is found in Jesus. Now, there may, be, there may be times when we as a church have an opportunity to serve and love people and we don't have the opportunity to talk to them. And it should never be our intention to serve someone just so that we can tell them about Jesus. 
But I think I would word it like this, that as we serve, our hope is that God would create an opportunity for us to, sh- to share with them why we do what we do. And so it is a little bit of a dichotomy because, yes, we love with no strings attached. But we also love and serve people with the hope that we can share with them who Jesus. Because if we do not, if we know the truth and do not tell others, what does that make us? Right? It makes us kind of selfish jerks, right? If we know what's true, and I've used this analogy before, but if you were a doctor and you had a cure for cancer and you just kept it to yourself, you would be a pretty bad doctor. You'd be a pretty awful person, right? People would be like, why didn't you tell us, right? And so that's, it's, it's a little bit the same, that if we believe God's word, if we believe the Bible, we believe that God has sent his son and forgiven us of our sin and transformed our lives so that when we die, we can spend eternity with him forever in heaven That is good news, and we believe that to be true. Why would we not share it? So if we hold it to ourselves, we're actually not even being true to what the Bible says. People may not believe us, and they may not want to hear it, but if we have been transformed by Jesus and believe in his word, what else are we to do? We're to speak the the truth in love. This is a difficult thing to do, and Paul wrote about this in the New Testament. He said, speak the truth in love. And, and so it's easy for us to just be like, hey, I just want to speak the truth, right? And that's where you kind of take that to its extreme, and you get people with protest signs that have things that on them that might be true, but they are, have no, there's no love anywhere to be found in what they're doing, right? The other side of that is it's like, a, it's like a road with two ditches, right? The other ditch is that we only speak in love where we're never willing to say, listen, Because of your sin, you are living in a self-destructive pattern. You are separated from God and you need Jesus in your life. And if we only speak love, then we're afraid to say, this is what the truth of God's word says. That you are broken and sinful and in need of salvation. So we want to be people who speak the truth in love. I think that's easier said than done. But I think that as we grow in our faith, as we experience God's love in our hearts, that we are able to go to people and say, listen, and we're able to build relationships with people to say, I love you, but I want to show you that this is harmful. This is not right. This is separating you from God to where we can say with love, this is what I believe to be true. And I think the way that we do that, again, starts with us understanding the gospel, right? Because if we understand the truth about ourselves, We are sinful, not deserving of anything that God offers, and yet he offered everything. It allows us to come with humility to say, yeah, I'm a mess too, but Jesus has saved me. Jesus has made me new. We have that grasp of that. We're able to speak the truth in love. All right, all of that was, what do we mean by the word love? Secondly, what do we mean by our world? Right, that's kind of a very broad and vague statement. Um, We mean the whole world, right? Here, there, and everywhere is a phrase I've heard before. Okay? So we mean right here in this community, in this neighborhood, the city, and around the world. And so when we say love our world, we mean all of those things. Okay? We also mean, I love how it says your world. right? Love Jesus, love each other, love our world. And so another way you can kind of communicate that is, what is your world right now? Because we can't obviously be everywhere. Your world might be work, school, home, in your neighborhood, whatever it is, but in the midst of where you are, that you can love the people around you. So I think it's those, those two kind of, yes, it's everywhere, but it's also to bring it down to a very micro level. It's what is my world? 
That seems very self-centered, right? To say, what is my world and how? But, but what, what is your walk of life? Who are you around? Where are you on a regular basis? How can you love your world? Right? We love our world by representing Jesus wherever we are, while at the same time remembering that God is calling his people into the whole world. So I'll get into that. So yes, love your world, but the Bible also calls us to something more, to say, how can we impact people who have never heard about him? All right. So my two questions, why do we say love our world and what does that mean for us as a church? Question number one, why do we say that and what does the Bible have to say about this? So we looked at Matthew chapter 28 and I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read that again to us um, this evening if I can get there. So Matthew 28, and, and a little bit of context here. So the book of Matthew is one of the gospel accounts of Jesus, okay? one of the stories of his birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection. We get to chapter 28, and, um, and what we have is this is right after the crucifixion where Jesus was put on the cross, and right after where he rose again. This has just taken place. Jesus is with his followers, and he's about to ascend into heaven. Before he ascends into heaven, he gives these words. And also in Acts 1, we have this same account from a different point of view, right? The, the, the Gospels were written by four different guys, and so you've got different people with different points of view um, and seeing and hearing this from different angles, right? And they, had, they were writing to different audiences, and so sometimes they highlighted different things. So also in Acts 1, we have the same thing. So these are really the last words of Jesus while he was on earth. Last words are important, Right? Um, so what is Jesus saying here? Because anybody that has the chance to like, they know that they're, they're dying or they know that they're you know, going away, their last words are typically like well thought out. I'm like this is what I want to say. So this is the last words of Jesus and they are important. So let's read this. Matthew 28, 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And if we flip, if we flip over to Acts chapter 1, um, I want to focus in on verse um, 7 and 8. He said, this is Jesus again. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right? So that's what I want to focus on and looking at, because this kind of tells us what Jesus has done and where he's told us to do it. Okay? So, ultimately in these, in these scriptures, what is Jesus doing? He is sending his people. He is sending them out. So as we look at the Great Commission, if you're, if you're familiar with Scripture, um, this in Matthew chapter 28, this is called the Great Commission. This was a, a term that people later made up to say, hey, this was a really important thing. It was great, right? And it was a commissioning. It was a sending out. So this is an important part of Scripture. So when we look at it again, when we look at it again, Jesus is talking to these guys, and he says, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus had come to earth as the Son of God. He died on the cross, rose again as the glorified Son of God. And he's saying here, clearly, I have all authority. It's been given to me. And then he says in verse 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. A couple of important things as we look at that to note. That word go 
it's not this concept when you get into the original languages, and I'm not like a Greek and Hebrew scholar, right? But I've learned enough to know how to learn things about it, right? But when you look at the original go, it's not this concept of like, I'm sitting here doing nothing and I'm going to get up and go. It's, it has a lot more meaning that's, that means like, as you go. So as you live your life, as you're doing the things you regularly do, go, therefore, and make disciples. He says, make disciples. I think it's important to note here that Jesus doesn't say, go and plant churches, go and build hospitals, go and build schools. While those are all very good things, Jesus actually simplifies it a whole lot more to say, your task is to go and make disciples. He goes on to say, make disciples of all nations. What does that mean, all nations? It doesn't really mean like geopolitical nations like we know now, like where we have lines drawn everywhere. Jesus here was referring to every ethnic group, to all nations, every people. And so for us to see, you know, and it's, there's some stuff you can find online of like, you look at like a nation like Nigeria, all right? So Nigeria is one country, but and I don't know the exact numbers, so please don't quote me on this, but you can, you can look this up. I've seen a map of, Algeria, of Nigeria that's then been broken down to all the different ethnic groups, and there's like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens all within Nigeria. And so it's this idea that just because someone in Nigeria knows and follows Jesus doesn't mean that all the others in Nigeria will because of language barriers and cultural barriers and socioeconomic barriers and all of these things. So Jesus is saying, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. When we read Revelation chapter 7, we get a picture of every tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping before the throne of God. And Jesus goes on to say, make, uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. So he kind of gives some detail. Here's what is how this is going to happen. And then he, he ends this by saying, I'm with you always. So as we look at that, Jesus is sending us in three very specific ways. We are sent with authority. That's the first calling as we read the Great Commission. We are sent by Jesus. We are sent out with the authority and the backing of a holy God. And so in many ways, it's not the great suggestion, it's the Great Commission it's a command to go and to make disciples. We are sent with authority. Secondly, we are sent with a purpose. And there's some very pretty, I think, key like verbs in there. Jesus says, go, make, teach. He gives some very specific things for them to do. Then he says this, make disciples. And as I've already said, this is our priority. This is the thing that God has called us as Christians and as a church to do. Because it's not my hope for this church to, you know, if, our, if, if Renaissance was to grow and, you know, lots of people coming and lots of great things, but we weren't making disciples, we're missing the point. We are called to make disciples. As a church, we want to be disciples of Jesus, meaning that we are knowing him, learning from him, walking with him, following him, and we want to make disciples. As we talk about our DNA, this is like kind of a, a pillar of our DNA. So we kind of had the gospel and discipleship with love Jesus, love each other, love our world, kind of in the middle. That's how it looks in my brain, right? You've got these two, these two like um, things that kind of encompass what it means to love Jesus, love each other, love our world. And so our hope is that we can be 
walking with Jesus as disciples and making disciples. What does it mean? What does discipleship mean? It's kind of a strange churchy word, I understand. It simply means that we are growing spiritually, knowing God more, learning to be more like him, because our lives have been transformed by Jesus. And so for us to say we want to make disciples is we want to be people who follow God that we can in turn go to other people and say, let me help you grow in your faith. Let me walk alongside you. Let me walk with you through difficulties, through questions, through all these things to say, to get to a point where we say we are knowing and walking with God. And this isn't perfection. It's not that we've gotten to a place where we're like, I'm finished. We are always growing. But to be a disciple means that we are walking with Jesus and we are making disciples of other peoples. And this is vital to who we are. And so for you guys here tonight, like I, as personally and, and with my wife Abby and some of our other staff and others, if you want to be in that type of place where you're saying, I need someone to help me learn these things, to grow in my faith, to deepen my walk with God, we want to be able to help walk alongside you in that. And so some of you guys, I know you, or some of you I don't know you, sometimes you just have to, I invite you to initiate that and come and say, hey, I want to grow. I want to explore this more. We want to do that with you. So our second point there was that we are sent with a purpose. Our third point, we are sent with a promise. And I love this, because what does Jesus say? Verse 20, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's almost like he just tells his disciples this thing, Hey, I want you to go into the entire world and make disciples. And they're like standing there with their jaws on the ground. And he says, I'm going to be with you. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We have a promise from God. What he has called us to do, he will equip us to do, that he will walk with us, that he will lead us, he will guide us, he will direct us. We are sent with a promise that we are not on our own. All right. So the Great Commission kind of shows how we are sent. Acts, 1, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 shows where we are sent. So what does it mean? So Acts 1.8, and Jesus says, He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I've heard lots of different ways that this has been described and talked about. Um, and so... This is, this is one way that I feel like is, is hopefully accurate to that. Because I've heard it talked about, you know, it's your city, then your state or your province, and then your country, and then the, and the, the end of the world. Um, and so I, I, I agree with that. But as we look, I think it starts with our city. They were in Jerusalem. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now I think it applies to us as a nation, because he talked about Judea, which was part of the nation that, they, that was their nation. And he says Samaria, which is kind of an interesting one. Because Samaritans, it was a, a place near there where there were people that were um, partially Jewish but, but more cross-cultural. And so I think that shows us that Jesus is calling us into cross-cultural type ministry. Sharing the gospel, making disciples of people who are different from us. People who aren't like us. And so when you live in a city like Montreal, that could be your neighbor next door. It could be the person that, you know you typically maybe wouldn't have a friendship with or wouldn't have a relationship with just because they're very different from you. Or it could be in a different place in the world. But in our city, in our nation, cross-culturally, and then he says to the ends of the earth, which is fairly self-explanatory to understand that there are people all over the world who have not heard the gospel. And Jesus is saying, go into all the earth. 
I think it's interesting to see these things aren't meant to be like stops on a train. Like, okay, first you go to Jerusalem, then later you go to, you know, your nation, Judea. Then later you do cross-cultural. Then later, maybe sometime you go to the next stop, which is ends of the earth. It's actually so much more happening simultaneously. As we live our lives, as we follow Jesus, that we can have an impact right where we are, and then pray through ways that we can have an impact in our city, in our country, and around the world. God is calling us to go. And Jesus is giving the disciples here the where. He says, I'm sending you. Basically, he's saying, I'm sending you everywhere. I'm sending you everywhere to do what? To make disciples. So when we talk about love our world, this is what Jesus was getting at. This is why we say love our world, because the Bible shows us that we are to go and to make disciples, people who know, love, and follow Jesus. When we talk about the ends of the earth, and this is, this is important here, we have to look at the kind of the overarching story of the Bible, which points to the redemption of all people. So we start with creation, that God created everything, and it was good and it was perfect, and yet Adam and Eve in the very beginning sinned against God. And that sin separated them from God. If you look in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, you get to Genesis chapter 12, and there's this guy named Abraham. And God tells Abraham, he says, I want you to go, um, I'm going to show you where you're going to go. And he says, I will bless you, I will make your name great. And then he says, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And it's this idea that even at the beginning of the Bible, God is saying to Abraham, he's saying, through you, these families of the earth, these nations of the earth are going to find hope and redemption. If you look at the entire story of the Bible, what's incredible is it takes a while, but then there is this the story of redemption. That through the family of Abraham came Jesus. And God is literally saying, Abraham, through you, all families of earth will be blessed. Why? Because God says, through you, I'm providing my very own son, who is the way back to God, who is and offers redemption. Jesus comes he offers salvation. He sends his people out as we see here. One day he's returning. This is, remember, this is the big picture of the Bible. One day he's returning and those who have put their hope and trust in Jesus will be with him for eternity in heaven. And we get this picture of heaven like we already talked about in Revelation 7 where there we have every tribe, tongue, and nation. Who are, the, who are these every tribe, tongue, and nation? It's all the families of the earth that God promised Abraham in the beginning that God would bless through Abraham. And so when Jesus says, I want you to go to the ends of the earth, this wasn't something new. It was something that all throughout history, God had been sending his people to the ends of the earth. This is the story of scripture. We are saved by grace and sent out with a purpose on mission. Love the world by showing and proclaiming the love of Jesus. We say love our world because Jesus has sent us into the world to share him with others. We believe that good news must be shared. In the same way that God sent his son to redeem us, he is sending us to proclaim him in, in the world. So I said at the beginning, my hope and my desire is that we desire to live our lives with great intentionality, serving people, sharing the gospel in everyday situations in our community and around the world. So that's why we say love our world, that we believe that the Bible has told us, go, make disciples, 
Love people. Show people the love that God has shown you. So what does that look like for our church? One thing that for us that it looks like is serving right here in our community. Right here in this neighborhood that's called Little Burgundy. If you expand out a little bit, it's the Southwest neighborhood, right? We want to do everything we can to serve and show in practical ways God's love in this neighborhood. We want to serve people so that they get a glimpse of God's goodness through us. Again, we don't do this with strings attached, but we do it with this great hope that people would say, man, why are you serving? Why aren't you, you know, it's Saturday. Why aren't you just like chilling on the couch? Why are you out here doing this thing? And we hope, we, we look for those opportunities to say, I want to serve here because God has loved me. And God has given me salvation through Jesus. And so, you know, obviously there's time when we can build relationships and friendships with people, but we want to serve and be a blessing in our neighborhood. From the early church until now, we as the church have, been, have, have wired into our DNA a commitment to do good deeds that produce goodwill and open the door for good news. I wish that I had written that, but I didn't. So I'm reading this book called Urban Apologetics, and it's very good. So I'm going to read that again. From the early church until now, we as the church have wired into our DNA a commitment to do good deeds that produce goodwill and open the door for the good news. This is why we serve in the community. We want to be a blessing to this community. We want to see this neighborhood and this community better than it was, right? And whatever ways that looks like, and each community is different, but we want to be a blessing. But we do that so that we... So the people say, I'm willing to listen to what you have to say. It's almost as if we earn the right to say, this is who, how God has changed me. This is what I believe. We want to serve in our community. We want to serve so that we can build friendships where we can share the gospel. What are some examples of how we do this? One example that you'll see at the end, this Saturday we're, doing, we're serving in an event called Burgundy on Ice. This is not a church event. It's not something that we put together. It's something the community is doing. And we are simply going to have volunteers show up and say, what can we do? And it may be, if you know how to skate, it may be teaching kids how to skate. If you know how to serve hot chocolate, it may be serving hot chocolate. It may be picking up trash. It may be setting up tables. It doesn't matter. But we as a church want to say, we just want to serve. We're not trying to get anything back from you. We're not trying to get anything returned. We just want to serve. You know, another way that we can, a practical way is the card that we're going to sign. Peter um, had this idea, and I greatly, greatly appreciated it, that Peter got a card that we can sign and just to give to the mosque that's here in this neighborhood to say, hey, we're thinking about you, praying for you. We as a church, we love you guys. And, um, you know, that's, it's, 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 again, it's nothing else that's like to draw attention to ourselves, but simply a way that we can serve. Because there is a backside to all this, Right? Churches could serve so that people will notice them. That's not our desire. We want to serve simply to serve. So, serving the community. Another aspect of that is is mission teams. If you've been around Renaissance for a while, in the summer, we'll randomly have like groups of people here who just kind of show up, right? Um, We know they're coming. Graham and I know they're coming. But, you know, you may show up at church one Sunday and be like, oh, there's like 15 extra people here that I don't know. So we love mission teams. And we have, and especially starting like in April, May, and then really June and July, we'll have a lot of groups that are coming for the purpose of saying, we want to help Renaissance serve in their community. And we love these teams. So we invite you guys, get to know them, hang out with them, be a part of it, because we love to have them with us. And we are able, as a church, we're able to impact and, and 
have an impact on a lot more people than just on our own when we have teams with us. And so that's a practical way that we say we want to love our world as we invite these groups. A lot of them come, um, some different churches in the states, some different places that say, hey, we just want to be involved. We want to help you guys as a church meet people, connect with people, share the gospel, and grow as a church. So don't be surprised when groups start showing up and we, they're invited, right? Um, so serving the community. Another way that a practical way this looks like for us as a church to love our world is through church planting. We desire to be a church that plants other churches, right? And so for now, at this moment, you may be like, well, we're here in a room. I don't know. Are we ready to plant a church? No, we're not, right, we're not ready right now. But remember, this is part of our DNA. It's part of who we are, that eventually we want to have another church that's planted as part outside of this church. I don't know what that looks like. My hope and dream is that one day we could plant a church out of Renaissance that's in French. That we could plant other churches in different places, different neighborhoods that are able to reach more people. So that's a very practical way that we say we want to love our world is we want to be a church that plants other churches. Church planting is one of the best ways to see people come to know, love, and follow Jesus. When there's people in a, a new people in a community saying, we just want to be here to serve and love, it gives more and more people an opportunity to find Jesus. So this is part of who we are as a church. Um, this is a great thing and a difficult thing, right? Because our, our nature is to say, hey, we've got a good thing going here. Let's just kind of stay here and hang out together. Um, but there, and there's pain in saying, we want to keep planting. I personally have never had a child, right? Like, you know, actually had a child. I have children, but, you know, I've heard it's a painful process, right? Um, and so this, this idea of starting something new, of beginning these churches can be a very painful process. And yet we believe that life comes through that, that many more people can come to know and follow Jesus through church planning. And it's the, really for us to understand that we exist as individuals and as a church, we exist for more than ourselves. And that's a very just practical way of what it looks like for us to love our world. We mentioned prayer. I really don't think we should overlook prayer. That when we take our time that is valuable to us, right, and pray for the needs of others in our community, in our world, that is showing love in a very practical way. They might not ever know it, but we're taking our time and our energies and our efforts to say, I am praying for this neighborhood, this city. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for that situation. That's a practical way that we can love our world. Another practical way, which we talked about kind of already, was sharing the gospel. The greatest way to show love is to speak truth. We show people the love of God. We love our world by saying, listen, this is how you can have eternal life. This is how you can have eternal hope in Jesus. We love and serve people by sharing the gospel. Another practical way this looks for our church is we want to be a church that truly does love our world in the broad sense, that to the ends of the earth, that we desire to have an impact even beyond Montreal. The reality is that there are nearly 3 billion people on earth who have never even heard the name of Jesus. And I come from a place in the U.S., and many of you come from different places where it's very easy to turn on a radio and listen to Christian music. It's very easy to go to a bookstore and buy a Bible. If you wanted to go to a church on a Sunday, you could find one and go to it. But for many, many people in the world, three billion, right? For many people, they don't even have, they don't even know about who Jesus is. And so that should burn in our hearts. Who will go to them? And we desire to be a church 
that looks for ways to impact people literally on the other side of the world. People in places who have never heard about Jesus. This is something that we can begin praying for right now. Join me as we pray and say, okay, God, how would you want to use this church to impact the nations? In what ways would you want to do that? But there, there hopefully will come a day when we are able to have a group of us that go to the airport and go somewhere to go and say, can we share with you the love of Jesus? It's not always that simple, actually, right? But to go to places to say, how can we love and serve these people so that they can hear and see the goodness of Jesus through us? My prayer is that one day that that will be a reality for us as a church. So these are some practical ways that we love our world. And the reality is that there are also endless possibilities, which I love, which is why as a church, we each have different gifts, different talents, different smarts, right? And God will use us as a church to love our world in a variety of ways. So this list is not exhaustive. How do we love our world? Well, part of it is through us as a church just living our lives and continually looking for opportunities to show love to our world. So as we close, as we wrap up, ask yourself these questions. How are you loving your world? Like your immediate context, how are you showing love to people? How can you be serving someone in your life right now? There's a lot of people around us, it's very easy to serve them. It's like, yeah, I'll help you out. What can I do? It's very, also very much potential that there could be people around you that are very, very difficult to serve. How can you serve them as well? To think about practical ways, how can I serve the people around me? Who can you begin sharing Jesus with? Who can you begin going to someone and saying, tell me what's happening in your life? And looking for a way to, to, to have that conversation to say, Can I tell you what changed my life? To be able to share your story, begin to be able to share Jesus with someone else. When we talk about love our world, we must know that there is an urgency to sharing the gospel. Because as I said, if we believe that what God says is true, and if we believe that people all around this city and this world are living and dying without being transformed by the grace and love of Jesus Christ, this will prompt us and compel us to go. We have to realize there is an urgency. We must recognize the reality of eternity. The separation from God that comes from living and dying without knowing Jesus, or the closeness with God that comes through finding salvation in Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's one of those things I've been in places before where it's like this is, becomes like this emotional thing. And, and, but I think to some extent it kind of should be a little bit of an emotional thing to realize that there are people all over this city and really all over the world that today will be their final day. And for us as a church to begin to, begin to think, who will go to them? Who will share the love of Jesus? Will they have that opportunity to hear and know and love and follow Jesus. Because we live in a broken world, a world that has no hope on its own. And yet in the midst of that, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our rebellion, God has sent his son Jesus to love us, to offer us a way to salvation, 
we say, God, why would people go to hell? Why would people die separated from you? It's not God's desire. It's not God's will or his plan. God's desire is that all people would come to know him and follow him. And we as the church must join God to go and share the good news of Jesus, the reality that we are broken and separated from God and only saved because of the cross, because of Jesus, who was pure and sinless, giving his life on the cross for our behalf. And therefore, we're saved by grace, not by any amount of good deeds that we do, not by any amount of good works. We are saved by grace. This is the good news that God extends to every person, that you can lay down your sin, you can lay down your brokenness, you can lay down your mistakes, your past, your rebellion against God, and you can say, Jesus, would you change me? Would you forgive me and make me new? And God makes us alive. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we, are, we were dead in our sin, but God, through Jesus, makes us alive. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the message that we can go and share. So tonight... As we think about those questions, who can you be serving? How are you loving your world? Who can you be praying for? Who can you be sharing Jesus with? And that question of where are you spiritually? Have you laid down your life to follow Jesus because of the salvation that God has offered to us?